Hi, and welcome to episode 119 of No Crying in Baseball, the Crying for Kobe episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Potty Mouth, we got bad news just before recording. Yeah, it was just when we were getting ready to come back here to record that we saw the news about Kobe Bryant being killed in a helicopter accident. And how horrific. I don't know. There's just an extra level of feeling really sad when it's somebody that you feel like you know. And he was a legend. I mean, I don't follow basketball that closely, but there are certain folks that I know. And and absolutely, Kobe Bryant, he played 20 years. Yeah, it's hitting me weirdly hard. And, you know, we'd been happily drinking at, mm-hmm. at, at a local brewery, watching our friends at DC Beer record a live, a live podcast, having a great time. And then we saw this and it was like just we could probably visibly see our hearts sink yeah, at and, the same time. And since you guys are listening to this two days later, you know a lot more about it than we do. There's no information about the cause. But I just got the, um, the update that his daughter was with him his 13-year-old daughter. So this is really terrifying. On this week's show, the Mets find a new manager, and we're pretty okay with him. Uh, Hall of Fame, salute to the new guys, and uh, kind of mourning the whole Omer Vizquel not again thing. We've got apologies and maybe a congressional investigation into the Houston Astros cheating scandal. We've got new boyfriends with the Red Sox, the Diamondbacks. We've got more on winter ball, and we've got a report on our friends at DC Girls Baseball. Luis Rojas, 38 years old, not very old for a manager, was named the new manager for the Mets after Carlos Beltran was let go um, under mutual agreement because of the fallout from the Astros cheating scandal. So Rojas has been with the Mets since 2006. So he's an internal hire, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, It's less disruption to the organization, bringing somebody else in from outside at this late date, this close to spring training, would be hard because, you know, the organization has been building up with somebody in mind, and now that person is gone. One of the great things about about um, Luis Rojas is that he's been coaching minor leagues for the Mets for a long time. So a lot of current players, including people like Pete Alonso, have been coached by him already. That's really important because there's some continuity there. He knows the players. They know him. And especially with the circumstances of Beltran leaving and all of this angst all over MLB about this scandal that's going on, to have somebody that well-known and that well cared for, I think, it is going to make a difference for the Mets. And he is from a basically Dominican baseball royalty, mm-hmm. right? He is the son of Felipe Alou, who was the first person who was born and raised in the Dominican Republic to play in the major leagues and win a World Series. He That's amazing. He was the first Dominican manager. You know, he managed the Expos for a while. And they, between the two of them now, um, Felipe Alou and Luis Rojas, make the fifth father-son duo to manage in the major leagues. And that surprised me. I didn't realize there had been that many. But um, Rojas has said, my father has been my college, my university of baseball. And he has more management experience than that. I've got to say that he was the manager of my Leones del Escogido, which if you guys have been listening, that was the team that I picked to win the Dominican Winter League. They didn't do it, but at least there's a connection here. And Rojas managed them, I think, in it. He, he got hired, I believe, in 2014, but brought them to the Dominican version of the World Series, their finals, in 15 and 16. So there's some connection there, some personal connection. And also, I got to say that um, the MLB podcast, I forget what it's called, but they're behind us because when they were talking about him, the Anthony Castrovitz, one of the usuals, was 
asking the other guy to pronounce his name over and over because he wanted to hear the R's, Luis Rojas. And he was like, we had you on the on the show so that you could roll your R's. And we do a lot of R rolling We here. do. Well, no, potty mouth is a lot of R rolling, and I'm jealous of it because I still can't – Rojas. 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 Yeah, uh, and it's not even a real big it's roll. Not, it's no, just Rojas. Yeah. I, have, I have baby steps. There baby steps. Let's talk Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. I love Omar. I love Omar. Speaking of Latino fa- uh, players, we yeah. know that Omar Vizquel did not make it into the Hall of Fame this year, despite our campaign, but we are not giving up. Not. If you check our Instagram feed, you will see Patty and her Omar Vizquel t-shirt. We are repping, and we have a convincing argument, our case for Omar. First of all, before I go into Omar, guess how many Latin-born players, including Puerto Rico, so, you know, the Puerto Rico is part of the U.S. versus part of Latin America is something we've talked about before. But including Puerto Rico, guess how many Latin-born players are there in the Hall of Fame out of the 333 now total? In my heart of hearts, I want it to be like 10%. And I believe it's much less than that. I want it to be like the 33 out of 333, but I'm guessing like half of that. You are really close on your guess. It's a yeah. dozen. It's, it's a, a dozen. dozen. Yeah. That's not enough. 12. Starting in 1973, Roberto Clemente was the first. Yeah. It's not enough. And there's only one Venezuelan, Luisa Aparicio. So we want Omar in. And I think that the, that with Jeter and Larry Walker getting in this year, that is the best case for Omar. Number one, right now, the four shortstops above Omar with total, total hits are all in the Hall of Fame because Jeter was number four of that group. Also, if you look at Omar's stats compared with Larry Walker as far as the percent of vote you get each year, because Larry Walker got in on his last year, right? He did, yeah. So he had some mighty low percentages of the vote on his first several years. And I believe that Omar is ahead of him already because he got 50%. So I think think there's some hope. So yes, vote Omar next year. Ra. Ra. Let's go to a scandal. I mean, the Hall of Fame thing was just a shame because I love Omar so much, but the Astros, still a full-on scandal. Last week, we talked about how a lot of players and a lot of fans are ticked that the Astros players are not taking responsibility and not admitting personal wrongdoing. The owner of the Astros, Mr. Crane, has said, hey, don't worry. Something's coming. And when we get to spring training, the boys are going to make appropriate apologies. They've been practicing. They They want to be well rehearsed. Yeah. Well, you know what? And they have to have a party line. But Mm -hmm. he is – I do appreciate him being grandpa here and saying, you know, you boys need to admit when you're wrong. Although I don't know that he is exactly without blame. And Scott Boris, our favorite agent to love and hate, um, is – Wow, he's he's with the the grandpas and the dads should have all the responsibility and not the kids. He's saying the kids shouldn't have to apologize because how could they possibly know what they were doing was wrong if their manager and their general manager let them do it? Okay, number one, this is giving me another reason to really love Scott Boris yeah. in, in huge sarcasm there. And number two, okay, as parents... Right. Oh, yes. Yeah, As parent parents, thing, right? It's like, come on. When your kid was, say, in fucking preschool and they hit another kid, you would make them apologize. Like, you're, you make your kid take responsibility from their actions from a very early age if you're going to raise a responsible kid. Yes. Yes. And, and 
They totally knew what they were doing was mm-hmm. wrong. We knew it. We knew about Major League Baseball saying you can't use electronics to steal signs. That was public knowledge. How could you not know? If you as the players were hiding the monitor after games so when the press came in they didn't see it, clearly you knew you were doing something wrong. Come on. Yeah, you know, this is almost a, a management sort of gimmick or cover-up to make players not talk. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like we don't want these guys to say more than they absolutely need oh, to. Sure. So let's say that they don't have to apologize because don't give them the microphone. We're afraid of what they're going to say. Well, sure, they're, you know, they're, um, their agent sure doesn't want them to say anything right. because, boy, that, you know, their future value is going to tank if they mm-hmm. say, oh, yeah, yeah, I cheated. That was me. So, of course, Boris is going to say that. It doesn't hold any water with parents or, you know, humans who pay attention, really. Mm-hmm. So Dallas Keuchel, former Houston Astro, who was with the Astros during the time they were accused of having cheated, now with the White Sox, has apologized. He said, yep, that happened. That happened there for sure. Um, Timing-wise, a lot of the Major League Baseball teams are having their winter like fan fests right right now. So it's a really opportune time for players to go on the record and be interviewed about things. And mostly players aren't being interviewed about what they're up to. They're all being interviewed about their opinions about the Astros. So Justin Turner of the Dodgers was recently interviewed, and he said about Dallas Keuchel, he shouldn't be the one who has to apologize. He's the first one who did it. It's great that he did it, but he didn't even hit. Yeah. Like, it's not his thing to apologize for. I don't know why he's the one apologizing. It, it's, it, I guess if it's anybody who had the knowledge. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anybody who is yeah. who had that information is then responsible yeah. for getting it out. So, so I can see that, but it makes me wonder. There's a lot of other players who've been traded. I mean, Marwin Gonzalez. There are a lot of other former Astros out there. Why aren't they talking or when will they talk? Yeah, they're not getting marching orders, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen there. So the last thing I want to say that's related to this as far as apologies is, so Justin Verlander accepted his Cy Young Award last night at the, the Baseball oh, Writers timing. Awards dinner, right? And he actually said out loud, and no one can tell if it was really a joke or just tone deaf. He said, well, the Astros have a really advanced use of technology. Oh, my God. So some people laughed and some people were just horrified. And no one really quite knows why he said what he said. But, ew. I mean, he should be better than that. But we know he's been a lot of really questionable things recently, like banning the media. And that, and so mm-hmm. like he's really kind of um, icky. Can I use icky? Yeah, totally. Right icky now? is very appropriate. Yeah. So that just happened, too. On a different note, Congress may be getting involved in investigating this cheating scandal. Because they have so much time on their hands right about now. <laughs> because all we do now is investigate. Right. We don't make laws. We only investigate. So um, Representative Bobby Rush of Illinois has sent a request to the um, to, to Energy and Commerce to say um, – we need a congressional oversight hearing about this cheating scandal. He said it's huh. our ethical and moral imperative to investigate. He says we must protect baseball, which I find kind of fascinating given the weird relationship that Congress has with baseball, with the whole like, you know, um, depressing minor league salaries and making that be okay. I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff that happens with Congress and baseball. But one of his questions is, did Major League Baseball do enough ahead of time to block the cheating in the first place? Like, did they see it coming and say, he, you can't do this and here's why and let's get in front of this. Or did they kind no. of – Right, right. <laughs> or did they allow the scandal to occur 
and maybe let it get worse by not paying attention to it, which is kind of fascinating. I don't know. I don't think I feel like it's Congress's place, but I find the um, the ideas behind it kind of interesting. Well, and, and it's coming from an interesting place. I mean, I am hoping that they do more about the minor league thing, to, to be honest. But we quickly looked up Bobby Rush right before the podcast and found out that he had been a major civil rights activist and actually founded the Illinois chapter of the Black Panthers. So if there's anybody with some sort of civil, moral, imperative experience, I'm going to trust this guy. And now we're going to move from politics to boyfriends because we love our boyfriends. We talk about them every week. We each each pick one guy per team over the course of the offseason who we profile a little bit because they're not just cool on the field, but there's something that attracts us to them off the field. And then at the end of this mess, we're going to make our fantasy baseball team. So we have a lot of rules about these boyfriends. We can't pick the same guy. No assholes allowed. They have to be special somehow. This week we have the Red Sox, and we did a lot of talking about what that meant because the investigation still haven't the results of the investigation still haven't come out. So we don't know how involved any of the current members of the Red Sox team who were there last year, especially 2018, were in any sort of bad stuff that would prevent baseball boyfriend qualifications. So we tried to play it safe this week and look at rookies or trades. I first looked at a trade. Jose Peraza looked great for a second base, but it turned out he was already my boyfriend. There's another rule. We can't pick the same guys we picked last year. I had him for the Reds last year. So I went for the next name that I felt some sort of connection to that I knew about, which was Bobby Dahlbeck, who is a third baseman in the minors, but he's looking at that open first base to make it onto the team for the Red Sox next year because he's coming up for spring training. He was there last year and there is that opening and I think he holds a lot of promise for it. He's 24 years old. The other thing that I appreciate about him is his musical taste. So one thing I like to do with my boyfriends is check out their social media right away. So I looked at his Twitter feed, and he, after Neil Peart died recently, the drummer from Rush, amazing drummer, he retweeted a tribute to him of a, of a drum solo of, um, fuck, 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 what's, uh, Tom Sawyer. That's the one. <laughs> That's the song. Um, and he's seen Bohemian Rhapsody six times. He likes Led Zeppelin. He says for softer stuff, he goes with Elton John and Billy Joel. So I feel like I could really hang out with this guy at a bar, which is definitely our baseball boyfriend qualifications. He went to University of Arizona. And when he was there, he was on the College World Series. They unfortunately lost. But in that time, he played third and first and pitched. He was a relief pitcher and he pitched in the College World Series. So that's total cred for him there. He's been in the Red Sox system all along, signed in July 2016 at the Lowell Spinners, which is in my dad's backyard. If you guys have been listening, you know that. And then 2017, he went to Greenville. 2018, he was right here near us in the Salem Red Sox, which are close by in Virginia. We passed by and waved. And then he went to the Portland Sea Dogs, where he had his bobblehead. And his reaction to his bobblehead was adorable, which was, how can my bobblehead grow more facial hair than I do? (laughs) Yeah, so he's a baby face. Um, So yeah, he had the nod for spring training last year. And in their opening game, the Red Sox always play Northeastern University. His first at bat, he got a solo home run. At that point, the Red Sox 
old guys sort of rallied around him and were trying to get him some more notoriety, some cred. And David Price tweeted, follow this guy on Twitter. And he got 10,000 follows (laughs) right away. Uh, The other time I saw him, actually, is when he was playing last November in Japan for Team USA for the the World Baseball and Softball Confederation, I think, Premier 12 tournament. And he got awarded Best First Baseman for the tournament. So cheers to Bobby Dalbeck. He is my new future pick for the Red Sox. And I am hoping, you know, as a lifelong Red Sox fan, (laughs) I am hoping for the best. I came this close to just saying fuck it and go with J.D. Martinez because he says they're innocent. So we'll, we'll see. I'm hoping. And please note that Potty Mouth used the word adorable in a sports context, which means drink them if you've got them. I got it. Before I tell you about my Red Sox boyfriend, I want to throw in there have been a lot of rumors about a possible Mookie Betts trade. Oh, my God. So shout out to our Padres friends out there. I know y'all are listening. If you guys get him, I am on your doorstep. Like, please (laughs) get your spare bedrooms ready. I am there. All the spare bedrooms. She Mm -hmm. will need them all. When I was reading up on these rumors, the thing that made the most sense to me was why the Red Sox might consider trading him is they can trade him for a boatload of prospects. Yeah. And if the Red Sox are worried about what this investigation on the cheating scandal will turn up, remember the the Astros lost a bunch of draft picks. And if the Red Sox are afraid of that possibly happening <sighs> to them, that could really decimate their farm system. But it wouldn't affect prospects they could get be a trade. Right. And he's only he's only under control for another year. Right. So they're gonna have to deal with this in a year anyway. So right. might as so well. I you know, I don't know if anything's really gonna happen, but if it does, that would be a really good strategic reason to do it, although it would just like gut Red Sox Nation and make to, me to cry. See, and, and make Potty Mouth cry. And I'm tired of Potty Mouth having to cry about stuff. <laughs> make it stop for God's sakes. Can I tell you about my Red Sox boyfriend? I'm dying to hear about this because I did not know this guy. You don't know this guy because he hasn't had his debut yet, but he just made the 40 man roster. His name is Marcus Wilson. He's a center fielder. He's only 23. He came up through um, J. Sarah High School in Los Angeles, which you may have heard of because a lot of pro sports players came there. I think Tom Brady might be one you've heard of. Oh. Right? Barry Bonds. Okay. And a lot of current folks come from there. And he actually said, I listened to a bunch of interviews. One of the things I like about this guy, he's been on a bunch of podcasts, a bunch of like YouTube interviews. He's got a lot of personality. So I had a lot of fun watching him. We should approach him now. We should get him now. Um, but what he said about this high school is it's a real powerhouse. It's like it's a prep school. It's like 100 kids in the graduating class, but about 40 of them go to D1 colleges on athletic scholarships. Mm. 40. Wow. 40. That's a boatload. That's a lot. So when he played baseball for a J. Sarah High School, they were in the Southern Section Championships, which played at Dodger Stadium. He hit a home run in Dodger Stadium. He was the only person in that whole championship series to hit a home run in Dodger Stadium. And he did it while he was in high school. So that's pretty cool. One of the interviews I listened to asked him, what is your favorite memory so far? What's your favorite moment in your entire baseball career? And he named that championship because he said, I won it with my friends. And we came up Aww. together, you know, and we worked really hard for it as a team. And we succeeded together. And that was important to him. And that, you know, that's pretty freaking endearing as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. He was drafted by the Diamondbacks in the second round. That was in 2014. He was still only 17 
when he was drafted. That's cosmic because we're about to talk about the D-backs. It is true. And he actually had committed to Arizona State, but the Diamondbacks offered him a million-dollar signing bonus. All right, million dollars. He can go to college later, Mm -hmm. right? Um, He had since then been traded to the White Sox for your pal Blake Swihart. Oh, I miss Swihart. in, In April of this past year, right? When he started with the White Sox, he was in Double A with the Sea Dogs, um, Red Sox, right? With the Red Sox, what yeah. did I say? You said white, but that's okay because you did I really? Because yeah, it was the whole white red thing. But now he's red. He's Red Sox. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if I said White Sox, I was completely wrong. I have been drinking. Have we mentioned that we've been to we went a to the brewery, brewery before mm-hmm. we came here, and now we're drinking again? So yeah, with the Red Sox, he started with Double A Sea Dogs and tanked tanked and they said okay well you know it was all new people it was cold it was you know it was, <laughs> it was too, cold up there. too much like everything was new and he was trying too hard mm-hmm. right and he had a terrible time they bumped him back down to class a advanced salem much warmer much warmer for um for two months and it basically reset him his batting average went from 161 to 342 that works. He brought his strikeout rate way down. Still was a little troubling, but it came way the heck down. And then they brought him back up to double A. And he finished really strong. And and his coaches said there's been like a complete turnaround in his approach. And it's a huge change in three months. And so he's finishing really strong. And so the Red Sox saw that and said, yeah, we like this. He went to um, the Arizona Fall League and was, was an all-star with them. And because of all of that, like late season plus Arizona Fall League success, they added him to the 40 man roster. So, interestingly, I don't know if all teams do this, but I just, I've only seen it with the Red Sox. They have what they call their rookie development program, which is a week long sort of training for spring training. And they invite 12 prospects to it, including your new boyfriend, Bobby Dahlbeck. He went, um, Marcus Wilson went, and. 10 other guys went. And so it's a week long. And what they do is they have two workouts a day, um, the conditioning and strength training and all that. And they have seminars to kind of prep them for what it's like to to live and work as a major league ball player. So they talk to coaches. They talk to players who have veteran players. They talk to managers and people in, in all aspects of the Red Sox organization to kind of get Ooh. them mentally ready for what to expect. Because if you're in the 40-man roster, you could get your call up any time, right? Um, and they also do other things. Like they took all these guys, these dozen guys, to the Boston Children's Hospital. Red Sox can be good people. They can be good people. So it's like, here, part of your responsibility yeah. as a role model is to be in the community and do good. And here's good you can do. Yeah, the Jimmy Fund is a big, like the Red Sox have the Jimmy Fund. Right? It's like for kids' cancer right? research. Yeah. They also did some fun team building stuff, like they got to go to a Celtics game together. So it's sort of like building your cohort, like, you know, getting to know the other guys you're going to be with, but also learning what it's going to be like if you get your call up. So what the special thing I like about him is he is so engaging. He's really confident that he can he can do this. But he's also self-deprecating. Like he's he's he was very free with here's when I screwed up. But also, here's what I did to fix that. And he was asked, what do you want Red Sox Nation to know about you? And he said, just tell them I'm ready. And I loved that. So he's the kind of guy, like, you know, when you see the Let the Kids Play ads, mm-hmm. I see him being one of those guys in the not-too-distant future. And I'm going to be really happy about that. So that's Marcus Wilson, my new Red Sox boyfriend. I will remember that name. We're going to move on to the National League now with the D-backs. And I totally fell for Idel 
Idalmaro Vargas, who's a second baseman from Venezuela, but he's very utility. He has experience all over. He's 28 years old, so he's an older rookie-ish. The reason why I picked him is because he is playing right now. Actually, as we're recording, shit, in, in, in 40 minutes, I'm doing the math, he is going to be playing for the Cardenales de, Cardenales de Lara in the Venezuelan finals. And I hope the best for him because that's the team I picked to win. So I figured, you know, I have a boyfriend on the team. If they win, it's all good. He started in 2008 with the Cardenales de Lara and played for them for two years. And then the weird thing is he played in Venezuelan Winter League or, yeah, Winter League all along. And the two teams that are playing tonight and tomorrow night, and then one wins their version of the World Series, the Caribes de Anzuategui, he um, played for them from 2010 for a few years and then went back to the Cardinales in 2015. Wait, so he's, he played on both teams that are playing each other? Tonight, yeah. Wow. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So he's he's got the prim te- primo teams of Venezuela. Um he signed with the Cardinals in 2008 at age 16 and then kind of got stuck in the lower rungs of their uh, their minor league system, mostly A and AA, and they released him in 2015. He went independent. He didn't get picked up right away. So he played in the Independent Atlantic League wow. just 30 games until he was noticed by the D-backs. Uh, he did very well with the D-backs in their minor league system. He played with the Reno Aces, who we, we love them. We love the Reno Aces, and I wish I had written down. I'll put it in the show notes. We we interviewed the manager of the Reno Aces, and I know the that general manager. The, yeah, yeah, the general manager of the Reno Aces, and I know she talked about him. So I have to go back and listen to this interview myself because he made a franchise record with the Reno Aces with 400 hits. And he had a 1,000 hits in the minor leagues, which I guess is kind of one of those like great but not great things because it meant you were there for a while. Um, He did hit the AAA All-Stars in 2017 and 2018. And he came up and down a little bit in in 18 and 19, I believe, with the D-backs. In July 2019, though, this is the big baseball boyfriend bit. He donated a team full of kids' baseball uniforms to the the Little League equivalent in Venezuela for the Monegas for their uh, national championships. And the cutest thing is that the the, uh, in, the uniforms came with little sleeves, you know, the little baseball sleeves, uh-huh. and it had a little picture of him on it. <laughs> and it said his name, Idelmaro Carpita de Vargas. And Carpito is the town that he's from, which is in that state of Monagas. And so he said that he felt very proud of his town. And he felt um, um, grande, super good, because he's from that town, Carpita. Car- what is it? Carpito. So Carpitenye. I can't say it. Fuck it. Carpiteño? Yeah. That, you oh, said I did it. Yes! Oh, my God. Woo! I couldn't say it. More beer Carpiteño. helps me. More beer hurts you. So I see this beer with Spanish. Is yes. generally better for Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> Tequila is better for Spanish. So he was the first. <laughs> I think. Yeah, totally. Let's let's follow this with some tequila shots. <laughs> They they said oh, that they he, they they made a homenaje, which is like a, a tribute to him because he was the first MLB player from the town of Carpito. 
um, in 2019. So he was up and down with the D-backs in 2019. And we're hoping that he's going to be up for 2020. But he pinch hit in September in the ninth inning in a tied up game with the Cardinals. And he, he, well, no, he pinch hit to tie up the game. That's it. Oh, man. Aforementioned beer. And then it went into extra innings. And it actually, like, there was the 13th inning where they were tied. And then the cards went ahead and the D-backs caught up again. And it went to 19 innings, which I believe was a franchise record for for the D-backs. And it was 14 minutes short of the longest game. But he won it with a single, with a bases loaded single in the 19th. So he tied it up in the 9th, played another fucking whole baseball game to make it to the 19th, and won the game. So that's my guy, Idelmaro Vargas. My new Diamondbacks boyfriend is Tim LoCastro, who plays left field, and he's 27 years old. And I was pretty sure I was going to pick him, and then I found a YouTube video which convinced me it was basically called why Tim LoCastro should be your new weird baseball, like favorite baseball player. So they're speaking to you from the internet. They are. The internet knows me and found me and told me wonderful things about Tim LoCastro, which I'm going to tell you in just a minute. Cool. But first, he's from Auburn, New York, and went to Ithaca College, not far from Auburn, New York, where he led the league in runs, stolen bases, and hit by pitch. He was the second player ever drafted out of Ithaca College. I was going to say, Ithaca's bitty. Tiny, teeny tiny. It's true. He was drafted in 2013 by the Blue Jays and then traded to the Dodgers two years later in 2015 for three international signing slots. One of those went to Vlad Jr. So we're okay with that. That seems Mm -hmm. to have worked out Mm -hmm. well for everyone involved, right? His major league debut came in 2017 with the Dodgers, where he was a pinch runner for Corey Seager. Um, he pinch ran, oh. right? He pinch ran again the next day when he then stole third base for his first major league steal. That's important. Hold that thought. He was then he didn't go to the um, postseason with the Dodgers. And remember that was 2017. They went to the World oh, Series. He wasn't part of that. He was traded to. The um to the Yankees Ooh. in November of 2018, which was his family's favorite team because they grew up see above yeah. Auburn, New York. Mm-hmm. But he never played a game with them because between November, December, January, January 2019, he was traded to the Diamondbacks. That's a pretty quick turnaround, right? And yet his first home run as a major league player was hit in Yankee Stadium when the D-backs were visiting. Karma. So his family got to be there. And That's apparently awesome. like half of his hometown was there. So he's got a really amazing like hometown support system that happens. So he stole um in 2019 he stole 17 bases and was not caught stealing. But not just in in this past year. He's played 112 games in the majors since that um that pinch running he did back in 2017. He has stole 22 bases and has never been caught stealing. That's crazy. What's do you know the record on that? Like that's I I do not know crazy. the record on that, but um that's All right, to be to be continued. Right. So he has like the best percentage, right? Because mm-hmm. he's never been caught stealing. He also is known for what we're calling stealing first base, which is he was hit by a pitch 22 times in this past season, which is a major league record for um, batters who have had less than 300 plate appearances. So does that mean he's just like Teflon or he like crouches in or what? He is well padded. 
He has lots of protection on his elbows and other parts because this is a thing that he does. Remember, he did this in college as well because what he wants to do is get on base. And let me tell you why he wants to get on base. He has the fastest sprint speed in the major leagues. So he can't have that much natural padding if he's that fast of a runner. 30.8 feet per second. He's ahead of Trey Turner, who's like a 30.4 or so. And the difference between them, although it sounds very small, Mm -hmm. is also like the same between like Trey and like the next like 10 guys. So it's a hunk. It is a big chunk of speed faster than anybody else (laughs) in the major leagues. Big chunk of speed. So he says, that's my game. Get on base, steal a base, score runs. That's what I'm going to do. He's super fast. He's got sort of an inflated um, on-base percentage because of all the hit-by-pitches. But once he's there, he's, he steals bases and he does, in fact, score runs. And this hometown guy whose mom is a kindergarten teacher in the hometown, whose dad's on the city council in the hometown, um, the county... So bigger than the, than the hometown, the county declared October 22nd, Tim Locastro Day, which I guess you get keys to the county. I don't know. You definitely get a proclamation, but that's kind of cool. County keys. The county sure. keys. And maybe we could get like a sticker, a pin or something. Maybe. So I'm kind of excited about watching this guy because I like base running. I like small mm-hmm. balls. So I think it's going to be fun to pay attention to Tim Locastro, my new Diamondbacks boyfriend. So meanwhile, I'm still watching baseball now. I've been paying a lot of attention to the winter leagues this year, and right now there are still some that are up for grabs. They're in their World Serieses for their countries, because it's kind of a weird name, World Series. I mean, usually- For anybody who's using it, because they just mean national championship, really. Yeah, yeah. so for us, I mean, you know, MLB World Series, what the fuck? I mean, we include, there's the Toronto Blue Jays, but- I'm calling these World Serieses so that they can be the same also. So Dominican Republic and Venezuela and the Mexican Pacific Winter League are all in their finals right now. Um, and tonight is very exciting for Venezuela. They're, it's game six. I'm hoping that my Cardinales de Lara can win so that they go to game seven tomorrow night and I will be watching. I've been watching a lot of the Dominican finals with the Toros del Este and the Tigres de Licey. And I've got to tell you that the the advertising is fucking hysterical. So they do ads during play. So like the guy will be announcing like, okay, it's a hit to first base. And then you get tome Coca-Cola, right? Like like drink Coke. Like it's just a different guy and it's a different tone. So while the play is happening? Well, yeah, during play, during play. So it's a hit to first and then you get drink Coke. Right. So the, but, but the funny thing was, so I've been sort of toning it out because like you hear the voice change, you know, it's a different guy doing the ads. Right. And so I'd been tuning it out. But last time I listened, I paid attention. What I realized is the play by play guy has buttons next to him. And depending on what happens, he hits the ad that's appropriate for that play. So let me give you. An example. Please do. So what he says, well, he says, se ponche. So like he strikes him out. Poncharse is, is to strike out. So he said he strikes out. He punches out like pain punches you. So buy Advil. <laughs> so it's like the, the product is connected to the play. The one that made me like just fall off my seat laughing was foul. Like, if you had a foul, take the morning after pill. I swear to God. Oh, no. I swear to God. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. It was an ad for the morning after pill every time a guy hits a foul. Y'all can look this up. This is really true. A fly (laughs) fly ball. 
Fly ball, easy. So it's an easy catch, right? Fly ball, easy catch. Like it's easy to have a cup of coffee. Take whatever, Nescafe. I don't know what it was. Um, the the other one that that I really liked was was the easy out. Like it's easy to pay on this credit card. And then the thing that kept cracking me out also was you'd be speaking in Spanish super, super fast. And then it'd say, here's the pitch. But the here's the pitch didn't happen on the windup. It happened anytime, say, after the guy actually let go of the pitch. So when you say here's the pitch, you think of the windup, right? He's right, getting absolutely. ready. Yeah. It never is, he never did here's the pitch on the windup. It was either after he let it go up to the time where the pitch was actually hit. So like sometimes there was a hit and he would still be saying, here's, here's the, pitch. the pitch. So if you guys have been missing this, I very much suggest that you tune into the Winter League World Series with, uh, with in Venezuela. No, no, that was Dominican Republic. Actually, Venezuela, very different, no ads. But Dominican Republic, yes, watch it. I'm coming over. I'm mm-hmm. coming over. Save me a seat. Hey, um, so DC Girls Baseball saved us some seats earlier this week. We went to their happy hour to talk to potential volunteers about the plans that DC Girls Baseball has coming up and trying to get more community involvement, not just the parents of these girls who want to play, which is great, especially if you want to build something that's going to last, right? Now, my kid's going to college. She's not playing in this group anymore, so I'm out. You lose your leadership. So they're building for the future, which was great. We loved, we really enjoyed meeting a bunch of people there. We met coaches, we met parents, we met some of the players. We had a great time. But here's what's important for you, dear listeners. Um, Baseball for All is hosting their nationals in Aberdeen, Maryland, which is close to us, the last week in July. And the registration is $400 per player. That's crazy. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there there's expenses. Okay. so Yeah, it's understandable, but it's just but ouch. But yeah. it's a lot. And even our local girls who don't have to pay for airline tickets because it's an hour away still, you know, have the $400 up front, which is hard for a lot of them. And we want baseball to really be for all. We want it to be inclusive. So if you live here in D.C. or if you have a girls baseball team near you, Think about helping them out. Do you have ways you can help financially to get these kids to go to nationals? Do you have some time to spend maybe hosting fundraisers, maybe doing some other work with your local teams to help them build a structure that's going to last? Because we want girls and women to play baseball. They are fantastic kids, fantastic grownups. They deserve it and they need our help. Yeah, the dedication is super impressive. But also last time, I would say follow the DC Girls Baseball website, which we'll put in our show notes. Because last time that they went to nationals, they had something on their website where you could support a player. You could contribute to that player's GoFundMe, essentially. So Mm. I think that we can put that out there and hope that people, um, you know, cough up a little bit. It's it's sort of like the embarrassment of riches because DC Girls Baseball, I was amazed to hear that in four years, they went from a handful of players to 78 at this point. So they're hoping to field four teams to this tournament. So four teams times $400 per player is a boatload of money. Right, it's like $6,000 just for registration and not counting it would be great to stay up there overnight instead of commuting mm-hmm. an hour back and forth. It's meals, it's all sorts of things. And even if it's just for gas money, a lot of these a lot of these kids need it. Yeah, so we'll keep you up to date with how to contribute. 
Do we have spring training coming up? I'm feeling like it's getting awfully close. I want pitchers and catchers right now. Can I have them? Almost. Holy shit. It's really close. I just opened up my app. According to this, spring training, pitchers and catchers reporting, is in 16 days, 6 hours, 23 minutes, and a matter of seconds. Oh, I like the sound of that. Hey, so we're going to spend this week looking at players on the Cleveland baseball team and the Mets picking our boyfriends. Am I planting a flag now for Pete Alonso? Pretty likely. All right, got you. Surprising no one. I'm staking my claim now. I love me some polar bear. Um, So come back next next week and see who else we pick because you don't know who potty mouth's going to pick and who knows who we're gonna i don't pick. know who potty mouth's right? gonna pick and who knows what's going to happen with the cleveland baseball team it could be anybody it's not going to be omar because he's on my shirt but not on the roster mm-hmm. you can find us in the meantime on social media potty mouth can you help people find us talk to me on twitter at ncib podcast or facebook or instagram at no crying and b-ball or on the web get all our back episodes at no crying and Please leave us a review if you have a chance. Absolutely subscribe. Tell your friends about us if you think you'd they would enjoy listening to us talk about baseball. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. <laughs> <laughs>